Blue collar people are some of the grittiest, toughest, bravest human beings on the planet. Every building, bridge, and road was built on the backs of their hard work. Every piece of raw material was mined by their calloused hands. They manufacture our goods and transport them around the world. We see that strong outer shell, but there's more to every person than meets the eye. In this podcast, blue-collar business leaders tell their stories of courage and victory over crushing defeats. That's only possible because of a mental and emotional fortitude and a willingness to ask for help. It's our mission to bring hope to those of us who are strong on the outside, but may be living a life of quiet desperation on the inside. We'll do that by working together to tell the truth about the challenges we face and what it really takes to break through them. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Tragedy to Triumph podcast. I am your host, Mick Carbo, and I am here with a very, very special guest today, my my friend, my brother, a man who has changed my life tremendously, Chris Newth of Star Motors European Service. Chris, will you say hello to our guests? Hello, everyone. Um... Really happy to be here. Thank you, Mick. Thanks oh, yeah. for inviting me on here. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely my pleasure. You know, and I, I, I think about this podcast as a way to make a difference for people. And when I was thinking about who a perfect guest would be that I know has a story to tell and who I know is a man in the world who is committed to making a difference and changing the world because of who he is and uh, um, the love that he has for, for other people, it's definitely you, Chris. So I'm, I'm really happy to have you here and I'm really pumped for this interview. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, great. So why don't you just take a moment and introduce yourself with you, if you want to, uh, just share anything you'd like us to know about yourself personally or professionally so that we can get to know you a little better. Sure. Uh, my name is uh, Chris Knuth. I've been in the auto repair industry since 1997. And uh, it's crazy how time flies. It seems like yesterday. But um, yeah, throughout that time, uh, I was a technician for a lot of it. Um, I've owned Star Motors, uh, co-owned Star Motors with my wife, Emma, since uh, December of 2008. And so, what's that, been 12 years now? And uh, yeah, so before that, I worked uh, construction jobs. Uh, when I was a teenager, I used to build muscle cars with my friends and, and race and do all kinds of things like that. So um, over the years, I've done a lot of different things, and they've, mo- they've always been in, the, in this, the trades, you know, skilled labor trades. So uh, I'm really happy to be a part of this, this project that you're doing in this podcast. I think it's, it's amazing. Uh, I know I have colleagues and, and friends I've made in the industry uh, coast to coast, uh, all throughout the U.S., um, Canada. And uh, there are so many, so many awesome people that uh you know we just get up and we go to work and you know a lot of us are entrepreneurs and um you know just ha- having some some guidance and some um some coaching and some inspiration from our from our fellows really uh really goes a long way into making us better at what we do and more happy you know at the same time yeah, yeah. Thanks for that, Chris. And so uh, I know a little bit about you, and I know that coming up, you were you were quite the entrepreneurial kid, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I started working at a really young age, and um, <clears throat> I guess uh, self employment came easy. Uh, I just I knew what I wanted, and really I wanted the things that my family wasn't able to provide for me. And so in order to have the things I wanted, I need to go, needed to get up to work. 
And uh, so starting off as a kid, I used to knock door to, on door to door to shovel snow or mow grass, rake leaves, whatever. So, um, yeah, I've been a go-getter for a while now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would imagine knocking on doors, trying to get uh, jobs, you know, mowing grass and shoveling snow and stuff like that. It it probably wasn't all yeses. You you probably had to deal with some rejection. And uh, I know that it probably went that way getting into the automotive industry too. Is that the case? It, yes, it was definitely the case. You know, the automotive industry is interesting because uh, the entry level, there, there's a, quite a high barrier to entry. Um, you know, most places that are looking for technicians, that's where I started. They, you have to have experience and you have to have tools. And when you're starting out, most of us don't have either one of those things. So uh, what do we do? You know, and for me, it was being persistent. You know, I answered, um, I was transitioning into, a, I needed a job, basically. And I looked in the newspaper, and I was in living in Louisville, Kentucky at the time. And there was an ad for a cabinet maker, and then there was an ad for an auto mechanic. And so I had just, um, I had just put an engine in a car. And so I had all my tools out and I was all gung ho about it. And I also love working with wood. I've, I've made drums, uh, for a number of years. So I thought this cabinet making place would really help teach me some, uh, fine woodworking skills that I could take into other areas, uh, and other interests at some point. But I was, uh, I, you know, I'm from the Northwest and I moved to Kentucky and uh, it was before cell phones, you know, so I was at pay phones making these calls and the cabinet maker, he had such a thick country accent, I, I couldn't understand his directions and, and uh, I just couldn't find the place. And so I went to the auto mechanic and uh, the gentleman that owned the business, his name is Ron, and he uh, has since become my mentor and, and one of my best friends. Um, you know, I still talk to him a few times a week, but when I first showed up, he asked me, do you have any experience? And I said, well, I've worked on hot rods and he's like, okay. okay. <laughs> and do you have any tools? No. And he's like, all right, well, uh, you know, I'm still taking applications. So I'll, I'll get, I'll call you. I'll get back and, to you. Yeah. I'll get back yeah. to you. So I came back the next day and I said, Hey, uh, is it time to work yet? And he said, no. And I came back again and he said no. And he came back again and he said no. And then one of those times I kind of lost track. He said, okay, fine. Like whatever. Nice. <laughs> and uh, he gave me my, my shot and he took me under his wing and the rest is history. Dude, that's so awesome. I love, I love all the determination and perseverance in that on, on your side. And you know, he must have saw that. So as a leader, he must know, hey, I got this guy who's like banging down my door wanting to work here. I should, I should, I should give it some consideration. I also think it's so cool that you still have a relationship with him to this day and you're still talking a couple of times a week. That's yeah. great. Yeah. 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 Super great cool. guy. Awesome, man. So look, thanks for sharing a little bit about yourself and how you got into the industry and everything. And you know, the, the, the title here is tragedy to triumph. So what are you willing to share about your, your experience of obstacles and tragedy coming up through your life? Um, I, I'm willing to share, you know, all of it really. Um, I'm happy to use and share my experience, you know, um, hopefully it will resonate with someone and they, um, they can identify with that. And, and if I could have, you know, done some of the heavy lifting and made some of the mistakes that other people uh, don't have to make, uh, I'd be really happy to, uh, to be of service in that way. That'd be awesome, man. So let's start from the beginning. Uh, you know, you, I'm, I'm imagining, you know, you're, you know, uh, coming up through your career and your work in construction and ultimately, obviously you get into the automotive industry and you, you started your business, but so where did, where did this, where did you start running into some bumps in the road? 
day one. <laughs> day one. Day one. Yeah. You know, because in a lot of the jobs that I had taken up into that up to that point, and then from that point forward, um, yes, I had determination. And yes, I had the, you know, I had the aptitude, but I didn't have the skills. And so I thought it was, you know, you just fake it till you make it. Mm. You know what I mean? And even in construction, like, you know, I would say, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And then I get on the job and they ask me to do that. And I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do. (laughs) And so, you know, I started off. I'll just say this. I learned everything the hard way. And, you know, especially when I got to working with automobiles and diagnosing them, I I had no idea what I was doing. Mm. And my mentor, Ron, a car would come in and he would listen to it and he would say what was wrong with it. And it just blew me away. I could, I could not, it seemed like a superpower to me. He'd say, Oh, it needs a water pump. It needs this. It needs an axle. It needs that. And you know, honestly, from day one, the very first job I worked on, I did an oil change on the car and I started it and it wouldn't turn off. And I'm <laughs> I'm having so much stress and anxiety because I don't want to run into the office and with this guy that just gave me my my first opportunity and, and tell him I messed up the very first thing I worked on. So I I hid that as much as I could, well, at least I thought I was hiding it, you know, I'm sure others uh, could see through that. But for me, it was like immediately creating this little prison, you know, where I couldn't really tell the truth. And I couldn't, I just couldn't be honest, because I thought if I was honest, then I'd get fired. Yeah. Or, you know, you would have some adverse effects. So really, that kept me stuck all, all the way through all the years I've been doing this because it's all new, you know, it's a progression of skills and, and uh, mindset and all these things that I didn't have, but I would pretend that I had them. Yeah. Hey, did you just wake up one day thinking, Oh, I'll just go fake it till I make it. Or did you learn that from somewhere? I learned that. Uh, I learned that from growing up uh, as a kid at home. Um, I worked with my stepdad. Uh, he was always in skilled uh, labor trades. Uh, he was a logger. He was a drywall finisher. He was a gold prospector, a commercial diver. Like he had all these these trades and these these talents and different jobs he would do. And I would go to work with him. And I remember, you know, being like five years old, and my dad would say, "Hey, I need you to do this, this, and this." He would give me directions that had two or three different steps in them. And and I didn't realize at the time that a five-year-old's brain isn't even really developed to, you know, critical thinking skills and strategic thinking and and having multi-step, taking multi-step directions. And so it was fear of getting in trouble, fear of, uh, you know, physical abuse, emotional, all these different things would uh, keep me from asking questions. And to keep me from uh, admitting that I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing that. I, I think that so many of us have these ways of being and these behaviors and things that we do to protect ourselves from what we're scared of. And we don't realize that they're learned behavior. There are things that we learn coming up from our families of origin and growing up in our households, some of them, you know, having. Uh, uh, some dysfunctional tendencies, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, so I appreciate you sharing that because I feel like there's some listeners that will resonate with that. And so you move forward and you, you know, you're starting, you're an adult now and you're working and you're in the trades and, and you start faking it till you make it, like you said, and you're getting stressed out and you, to use your phrase, you created a prison for yourself. What did you do to deal with all of that? How to manage the stress? Yeah. How'd you manage the stress and, and kind of deal with living in that? Oh, par- partying was a great way to do that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, that's another thing I learned too early on in the, in the labor trades is that's what you did after work is, you know, you pop beers and, 
and you hung out and you go to the bars and stuff. And so, yeah, that, that was it for me. That was the easiest way to relieving stress. And the other way was to, to make friends, you know, you, you make friends with coworkers uh, that, that end up mentoring that ended up mentoring me. And I think that's common. You know, we come into these types of jobs and we don't know everything and our coworkers help us along, you know? So I, I owe a huge part of, the learning to others that were willing to, to teach me. Yeah. 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 Thanks for, thanks for saying that. So, so was it just a few parties and a few beers or. Progressives, you know, it started out like that. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, then, you know, you take a six pack home. And, and so that's, that's one way that, um, that I dealt with the stress, um, other ways, you know, I played music and stuff. So I have hobbies and other interests and stuff. So those, those help take away stress. And, um, and just, I guess, just developing my craft over time, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I ended up learning the fundamentals. I ended up learning the things that I needed to, to know, but there was always something new. There was always a uh, new technology or a new product. So there are always things, but I guess I just learned how to, how to fit in with it and how to, how to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. So how, how bad did it get for you? Well, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> um Others in my life, uh, you know, it's, I think that's another thing that's normal is people usually see our, where we're headed before we do, you know? So I, I guess for me, it didn't get as bad as it did for other people. You know, I, I didn't lose everything. I, I didn't end up in jail. Um, you know, really it was, it was self-abuse, um, and, and it was honestly like I just wasn't all this really. I've done a lot of work, Nick, over the years, and, and so I've had the opportunity to really look at a lot of this stuff in detail. And it's yeah. it's really how I learned to relate to others and to relate to the world uh, from growing up, you know, with my family at home. You know, it started as a kid and. And I had a lot of beliefs that I carried with me into my adult life. And so I have these ways of relating to the world and relating to situations. And sometimes I would cover it up with alcohol or drugs, or maybe it was anger. Maybe it's just working all the time. Like I just found a lot of different ways to, to kind of deal with that internal condition that was just, you know, just not happy, just, you know, discontented and, and irritable. So what was that like for you, man? I mean, when it, you know, it's one thing to use those words to describe the experience, but what was it really like? Um, it was, I'll say that I didn't have a bright outlook on the future. Mm -hmm. You know, I really felt like that's the way life was going to be for me. And these decisions and, and whatnot have added up cumulatively to the situation that I that I was in and the kind of life that I was living. And honestly, I just I thought that's as good as it gets. And so for me, it was like live for today. Don't don't worry about tomorrow and uh, just go on like that until it's all over. Yeah. So tell us some of your adventures in living for today and not caring about tomorrow. What were some of those, what were some of those days like? What happened? Well, how, how long is this podcast? How long is the interview? <laughs> <laughs> there, there were many, there were many, but I'll tell you how really that related to the tragedy you know, if we're going to keep the focus on, on that, you know, yeah. living for today and not worrying about tomorrow means that, um, you know, one of the ways I dealt with that is 
to not pay my not pay my taxes, um, to not uh, not hold employees accountable, um, make excuses, blame others. Um, yeah, you know, those are just some of the things. Um, I don't know that those are adventures, but they were ways that I would live for today and not really care about what tomorrow looks like. Yeah. And they, and they all had some consequences too. I would imagine what were, what were some of the consequences of not paying taxes, stuff that happened with employees and things like that. Um, Some of the consequences well, some of the consequences were dealing with the IRS. Um, that's that's a pretty heavy uh, consequence, and then that really inhibited, you know, being able to get, uh, you know, loans, you know, any uh, borrowing money or any thoughts of expanding or buying property. So, you know, those those are really really harsh uh, consequences for these decisions I made really out of fear. Um, employ- I used to keep employees too long. And I also, you know, I feel like I wasn't an attractive person. So I wasn't attracting quality people to me either. You know, I, I was, I was hiring people that, um, yeah, that I just kept too long. And, um, and ended up, you know, causing problems with customers and with, with sales and like, you know, all that goes along with having bet, you know, not the right people on, on your team. And so there was constant uh, employee issues. And a lot of them I didn't deal with interpersonal things. Um, I didn't know how to really manage people. That was something that was very difficult for me to learn. So basically, these little choices I, were, I was making out of fear or to not deal with things actually were, was making the problem much worse because then I was creating issues that required even more skills that I didn't have. Mm. How did you feel about yourself with all of that going on? Well, you know, all of the things that have happened to me have just been slowly accumulating. They they accumulated slowly over time and they just kept building and building and the mountain really just got higher and higher. And I, I really felt like every day, I can't remember the, the name of the story, but there there's a guy that I think from ancient Greece and he, he pushes the rock up the hill every day just to have it roll back down on him at, at night. And and that was my life. I, I just felt like I was constantly pushing the boulder uphill and the dang thing would just run me over. And I, I felt defeated. I felt like I got to a point where I didn't care if my business was taken. I didn't care if it failed. I didn't care if it crashed and burned. I didn't care if my relationships fell apart. I just got to the point where I completely, you know, just checked out and didn't care. Yeah. Yeah. You said you've done a lot of work on yourself and look, I I know you well enough to know that you have. And were you doing that work on yourself back then with, when all of this was going on, like while you were drinking and using drugs and, you know, just kind of living for today and making those types of decisions? Um, no, not at, not at first. Um, you know, in my mind, I really didn't think I needed help. Mm. I thought I was just one good idea away from making it. Mm. You know, that's part of what it was, too. It's like I have a, I had a lot of knowledge. You know, I still have a lot of knowledge. But knowledge will only get you so far if you don't have the power to implement and use that knowledge and apply it. And that's what was happening. Like I, I got into, I bought the, the business in 2008 and I started with coaching companies in 2009, learning okay. how to market, learning operations and learning how to manage employees and, and 
and you know keep a profit and loss statement and the balance sheet and how to use the numbers to to drive the business to where I wanted it to go. I had the knowledge, Mick, but I could not apply it. And honestly, that was really frustrating for me because I was watching people that knew less than than I I thought they knew less than I did, and they were more successful. And so, you know, it just started building this resentment, you know, resentment against the business, other, you know, other people, employees. I just couldn't figure out why the heck I couldn't get this thing to to crank up and, and go. And so I didn't, I thought I was getting help because I was, Yeah. but I wasn't accepting the help. Yeah. I wasn't using it. I wasn't applying it. And again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask for help. Yeah. Wouldn't do it. Yeah. Pride getting in the way. Look, I can, I can really relate to this. Uh, you know, I, I, when, when I was in the same position, you know, different, different kind of, uh, job, you know, similar, I was in the trades, you know, this, and, and, um, as I was coming up and getting to the place where I am now, I would, you know, I had years of coaching therapy, you know, all types of reading books and seminars, like it sounds like you were doing. And I I love this because I can relate to this so much that I was, I was always just one idea away of, you know, breaking through and crushing it. Right. And, <laughs> um, so I, I love that you're sharing that. I think people can relate to that. And, you know, the lack of power is also something that I can really resonate with because uh, that was true for me too. So what was the turning point for you, Chris? When did it, when did it get bad enough that you knew you had to take on something else to get the help that you really needed? Like what was, what was that time of your life like or what was the experience of that i'm so glad you asked this is great (laughs) um i didn't see it Mm. i didn't see it my fiance uh who's now my wife um she uh she tricked me into going to a debtors anonymous meeting after i uh, bought a hundred thousand dollar Mercedes Benz and, uh, you know, couldn't pay the rent on time and couldn't do, you know, all these things. And so she thought it was a good idea that, uh, maybe she would introduce me to this fellowship (laughs) that would help me, uh, you know, figure out my money, uh, problems or my money issues, which again, in my mind, it was all good. Like I, I could figure out how to make it all keep going. You know, I could spin all the plates. I could keep the whole thing going and I could fit this car into it and I could fit this trip into it, this or that. And that's really where I was getting my relief from the stress, you know, because I had a period of sobriety and when I wasn't drinking, then I had, I needed to do something to, to get some relief. And, you know, for a while it was, it was spending and it was this grandiose idea that I was going to make a ton of money in auto repair. And, and, you know, I was going to be able to have the the life that I thought I wanted and, and all the things I thought I wanted. And so, you know, she brought it to my attention and, um, Gosh, I feel for her, man. I, I put her through <laughs> through a lot of a lot of hard times, you know, with with my thinking and my actions, and and you know, not considering any of her ideas, or you know, just being in denial that things were as bad as they were. So that was, you know, going to Debtors Anonymous was the first kind of idea that something may not be just quite right so let me get this straight you're having a hard time paying the rent your business isn't doing really well you're not making money you're discontent feeling miserable and you go and you buy yourself a hundred thousand dollar mercedes yeah 
It makes sense, right? <laughs> Isn't that what everybody does? <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> so, so yeah, and and listen, I, I, it's it it makes sense that you would do something like that, A, to, you know, self-sabotage and B, to get a little bit of relief, you know, to, to do, to get something for yourself that was something that you could show off and kind of, again, feed that ego that we were talking about. Yeah. I really felt like I deserved it um, because I've always worked hard. I mean, ever since I was a kid, you know, and that's kind of where I started working, right. I would, I put I would put my mind to something and I and every time I've done that I've achieved it or I've got whatever it was I was you know putting my attention and my focus on and so you know this car was just another one of those those things it was you know it was something to conquer and I and I did it and I and I had it all worked out in my mind how it would all work in the end yeah you know what I mean yeah. Like it, it in my mind it was a good plan. It was a pretty solid plan, you know. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So you you had some entitlement going on. You're like, "Hey, I deserve this. I work my ass off. You know, I'm trying hard. I got the plan. It's all going to work out at some point. So, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get this car." Yep. And and then your fiance comes along and says, Hey, I think that we ought to go talk to some people about this because she, what, she, she must not have agreed that your plan was sound, huh? She did not. Yeah, she did not. And I was actually surprised that she wasn't cool with it. Wow. I thought I was a pretty good salesman. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, and you know, how did, so you said she tricked you into going there. First of all, if you, you thought you had it all figured out and then she brings up debtors anonymous. She, you know, she must've been, she must be a, a very beautiful woman and somebody who, you know, you, you care about a lot, somebody who you really wanted to make sure you were, you know, setting up a, a, a good solid foundation of relationship with, or else you wouldn't have gone. Am I, am I getting that? Yes. Yes. She was all, she is all of those things. And also I think if I remember right, I think she wanted me to go to support her. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> I think I was going there to support her in something she wanted to do. And I think she was hoping that it might rub off on me or I might hear something that, uh, you know, that would possibly give me a clue that the life I was living wasn't um, working out that well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. What was the turning point, man? You 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 went to. I'm, I'm assuming this is a a meeting you went to or something like that. And it, what happened? Did you did you hear something? Did you meet somebody? Um, that's a good question. And, and actually, not really. Um, I ended up finding out that you know after a couple of meetings that uh, it was actually uh, the intention was to get me in there. And so uh, I showed up and, and I kept going because there, there were some of the guys, there was a business debtors anonymous. That's, you know, so it was business owners in this one meeting that I ended up going to. And uh, I liked the guys. And, you know, we started having conversations about, about the causes for the mismanagement of money and finances and whatnot. And uh, I was actually very surprised, you know, not only didn't, did I not have the tools to really deal with my finances in a healthy way, I didn't understand what was driving it. Mm. And so, um, you know, after a year or so of, of working in that program and doing the 12 steps around money, I then uh, started, you know, a series of events happened in my personal life that just got me to the point where I needed to consider um, sobriety. Uh, I had started drinking again. And again, it was just like a little at a time. And then it started becoming nightly. And then it went from beer to booze and, and uh, starting to have hangovers and, and this and that. And, and I noticed, you know, I was drinking to avoid you know, my fiance and my family and my life. And, and so, uh, yeah, in 2014, uh, November 20th, uh, got so was sober. Um, 
and uh and yeah so it's been a little over six years and that um i i went to a workshop uh to do the 12 steps with with a group of men um and i'll tell you that was the turning point because i got around some guys um one of them is uh you know was a lineman um, you know, working on, on the electrical uh, grids and the power lines and whatnot. And I had mm-hmm. a guy that was a flooring guy and a fisherman and an attorney and like all these, you know, from different walks of life. But most of they were like men's men. You know, they were they yeah. were like me. And they they took me into this workshop and we started, you know, I started to listen to them and I, and I couldn't believe at the depth that they were able to share their life and the things that were going on and just the honesty and the inhibition and, and the safety that that group provided. I started to come out of that shell. I started to share about my experience and how painful it was and how how frustrating and how like unfair just like whatever it was I was able to for the first time really in my life be real yeah be honest and what I found was that instead of pushing me away they accepted me more wow that's powerful I, I want to know more about this, but but real quick before before we dive into that, what got you to the twelve steps at that point for your drinking and and everything? Was it was it your? Ch- I mean, I he- I heard what you said, right? Like you yeah. you you started drinking more, you started having hangovers. Uh, did you notice that this wasn't working for you, or did? was there something else that happened that got you to the point of actually going into that process? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Um, we were in couples counseling. Okay. And, uh, again, I had no idea why we were there. Uh, she was unhappy, (laughs) you know, I'm sure it wasn't your fault. (laughs) It wasn't my fault, but you know, I went there to be a good partner to be supportive. And, uh, it was over Thanksgiving uh, in 2014. We were hosting it at our house, and we, you know, we had been fighting a lot <clears throat> and not getting along and and not talking. It was just it was bad, you know. And uh, so the the therapist was like, "Hey, you know, maybe you both of you guys should just take a five day break over Thanksgiving. Host your family. Host host Thanksgiving." And then, you know, after that five day period, let's take it, let's take a truce, you know, let's just take a time out and then reevaluate after that. Those five days turned into six years. Wow. And, um, you know, the, that's the miracle of sobriety and sobriety dates, you know, none of us really pick them, mm-hmm. you know, we just, we get relieved from the obsession to drink and we just get this temporary reprieve and within when that you know that space that little bit of clarity you know i don't know just something happens that's the magic of it and so that was in november and then this workshop was scheduled for january uh, to Mm. start so there was a couple of months there um before i started working the steps but yeah i had I just knew after that five days that um, that was the end of the road for yeah. drinking. And I actually wanted to be sober. The first time I uh, quit, I quit for her. I quit for Emma. And I didn't want to. And I was living like I needed a drink. Yeah. 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 Thanks for sharing that. Because, again, I, I feel like there's probably people that are listening that, you know, they don't they don't know when, or they don't know if it's the right thing to do or whatever. So I appreciate your sharing your version of it so that maybe somebody can hear something in it for themselves. And so you start this workshop, you start working with these other men, these men's men. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of, uh, uh, the culture thinks about masculinity as something that is, 
um, different than what you're talking about. You know, you, you, you said you started opening up and sharing and other people were sharing and you all were supporting each other. And there's a lot of men out there that thinks that's for sissies. What would you say about that? I would say that um, I, I understand. I totally understand that. And, and the experience I had, which was, this is what surprised me, is it's not an either or. It, it's both. You can be both. You can still be a guy's guy and you can still be honest and you can still express yourself and you can still talk about what's really going on. It's not one or the other. And that's what I thought was amazing. It's like, they're still dudes. Yeah. But they're, they're more complete. They're balanced. Yeah. Did you, did you ever have that experience when you first got started? Like, what the hell are these dudes talking about? Like, are the, the, are these. Well, it surprised me. It honestly surprised me because they were talking about things that just culturally, it's not cool to talk about. Right. You know, they were just talking freely about things that I thought everybody kept secret. Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, it surprised me more than I thought it was, you know, sissy or anything. I was just like, dang, these guys are guys are like telling that how it really is. Yeah, that's brilliant. So, so you, you were surprised at first and then, so what was the experience of what you just said right there that, Hey, these guys are actually, they're dudes, right? Like they're regular dudes and they're telling it like it is. So what was that little shift for you? That was my introduction into authenticity. Yeah. You know, um, one of the guys shared, he, he said, you know what? Um, there used to be a bunch of Steves running around. There was a Steve at home. There was a Steve at work. There was a Steve in AA. There was a Steve at church. There was a Steve in traffic. There was a Steve over here and one over there. And I, I really resonated with that because there were that many Chris's. Yeah. I was showing up in all these different ways and in all these different situations where I thought I needed to play a certain role. And, you know, I discovered that living life like that I never, I didn't have a true identity. Yeah. And so for me that, that piqued my curiosity. I was like, well, who am I? That's like, you know, that's a pretty old statement. You know, that's an old question (laughs) that goes back thousands of years. You know, who am I? And I really wanted to know. And then that's where the self-exploration started. That's so awesome, man. You know what it just reminded me of is your first experience with Ron when he was listening to the sounds of the car and he knew what the car needed. And you said, wow, this was a superpower. This dude has a superpower. And that piqued your curiosity and you got really interested in that and you wanted that for yourself. And it sounds like the same thing happened when you got into this workshop and you met these other guys and they started, you know, being a way that you had never seen before in men and it piqued your curiosity. And you said, that sounds like a superpower. And I want more of that. I want to learn about that. Am I, am I getting you right on the money? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's I like how you picked up on that. That's exactly what it was. That's awesome, man. That's really, really cool. Yeah. So this was six years ago. And I'm assuming you're still sober. Yes, I am. Okay, very cool. So what is, what's life like now? What's life like? What's business like? What's your relationship with Emma like? It's enjoyable. It's fulfilling. It's satisfying. It's joyful. It's humbling. It's exciting. It's unpredictable. Um, it, it's incredible. It's incredible. And um, it just, 
it was just a shift in perspective. You know, that's all it really was. My, my business is enjoyable. It used to kick my ass every single day, <laughs> day in and day out. You know, it was like the kangaroo with the boxing gloves on the commercial or just beat the heck out of the guy. Yeah. I felt like I was beat up every single day. And the last thing I wanted to do is drag myself out of bed and go to work. Now I go to work because I want to. You know, I have an amazing team here. Um, they're dependable. They're smart. They're talented. They have great ideas. and. I just love being around them. Yeah. Yeah. Relationship I, with my wife. We got married in 2018. It's awesome. awesome. It's awesome. You know, it's, it's taken a lot of work and we've both grown so much. And uh, yeah, it's just life is simple. You know, I've really simplified. I was overcomplicating everything. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be that complicated and that hard. I was creating that um, without knowing it. Pretty incredible, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, if you, and I know you don't live inside of their brains, but if you were to say, uh, er, earlier you said, when I asked how bad it got and, and what it was like, you said it depended on who you asked, who I would ask, right? So if you think about some of those people, like Emma, other family members, your employees at work, what do you think their interpretation of who you are and how you show up now is in comparison to how it was? They don't believe it's the same person. Wow. Yeah. That's transformation, man. Yeah. I think that's, um, you know, our, our environment reflects what's going on inside of us. And so when I'm restless, irritable and discontent, I'm running into problems, you know, I'm having problems in my relationships. I'm having problems with business and customers and employees and I, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm swimming upstream and it's hard. And so I would say if you find yourself just at the end of the day, exhausted, Instead of feeling energized, there's there's work to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right, man. Well, I I just really honor you and thank you for being willing to share all of this with everybody. You know, this is, you know, to your to your point about the guys in the workshop, this is stuff that people don't talk about. And I think that's a problem, frankly. And I think it's a huge problem, especially in the trades and in blue collar industries and construction and automotive and industries like that, uh, because of exactly how you felt when you first walked into that workshop, thinking that it was weird that guys talk about this kind of stuff. This is the exact point of this podcast, and I'm really appreciative of your willingness to share. You've got an amazing story, and I thank you for it. So if there was something that you would leave us with today, if there was a, a moral of the story that you would be willing to share with the audience, what would you say that is? I would say that happiness is not something that we have. It's who we become. It's a reflection of our insides on the outside. Wow. And that way I, you don't have to hold on to it. Yeah, man. It just is. It's who you are. Dude, I would I would ask you to elaborate on that, but that's such a mic drop. It's ridiculous. I um I totally agree. And I just you know, if I could, if I could wave a magic wand right now and have everybody listening to this podcast really get that last thing that you just said, I would wave it. I don't have that magic wand, but we have this podcast and we'll push it out there. And hopefully, hopefully a handful of people will hear this and allow this to actually make a difference for them. So, uh, I just need to let everybody know that, uh, 
we have Chris Knuth here, a uh, amazing reflection of transformation, just an, a great man, a great father, a great husband, a great business owner, and a great leader, and somebody who has changed my life. We didn't talk about that much here today, but I just need to end on this note that Chris actually walked me through this 12 steps. And because of this guy, and of course, lots of other, um, uh, lots of other things too, but because of this guy, I'm here today and I am hosting this podcast today and I am a changed person for my family and for my business and my clients and my kids and everybody that I come in contact with. So everybody in the world needs to know that the man who you just heard share his story here today is the man that changed Mick Carbo's life. And with that, Chris, thanks again for being here again today, man. And um, I really appreciate you. I love you, brother. And uh, all that being said, Thank you to all of our listeners here today. Again, this is the Tragedy to Triumph podcast. I am Mick Carbo, your host, and we're signing off. Say goodbye to the audience, Chris. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you, Mick. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Yeah, man. My pleasure, brother. It's our hope that this story makes a difference for another person. If it helps one person, we believe we've done our work. Consider telling a friend about this podcast. You might just make a difference for them too. Accomplishment Coaching, the world's finest coaches training program. I owe much of the man I am today to the work I've done and the relationships I've built in this community. For anybody out there who wants to start a career as a coach or enhance their skills as a coach, look no further. Transform your life and set yourself up to win in your coaching business at the same time. Find out more at accomplishmentcoaching.com.